0: All right, if you got your Bible, get to Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2, got some extra ammunition with me tonight, we had an all-star outing this weekend, and uh, didn't get get to bed until 4 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, and so my voice is a little ragged, and it's just the time of year where everybody's got something going on, so uh, Mountain Dew helps. Uh, there's there's even orange juice in there, so it's it's orange juice is loaded with lots of vitamin C and stuff like that. So Mountain Dew is healthy, uh, right? So uh, anyway, glad you guys are here tonight. Uh, look around the room, and there are so many different people from so many different walks of life. And uh, I'm at the stage now where uh, with little kids, uh, I I have a greater appreciation for people with small children who come to church. Uh, it, it, is, it is difficult to drag your babies around uh, all day on Sunday and be at church, and I just want to applaud you for making effort to do that, right? Uh, parents with kids of middle, middle uh, older kids, right? You're, they're, they're, everybody's busy, right? Teenagers have always got something going on. You're the taxi service, and you still made effort to be here at church tonight. Uh, I I thank you for that. That that, that shows that you have an interest in the things of God. Uh, Young people made an effort to be here. Uh, If they had a choice to be here, uh, they're at least not sleeping. I don't see any phones yet. Uh, Nobody's nodding off yet. So they're they're engaged a little bit, and I I thank you guys for, for, for paying attention at least for the first 40 seconds of me being up here. And really, everybody here, you have somewhere else that you could be, but you chose to be at church. And uh, that, that's a great thing. One of the things that really frustrates me the most about church and the attitude that people have about church is that it's really just some type of religious ceremony. And uh, I, I firmly fight against this, this idea that, you know, you, you get your tie and you got the nice, you know, you got your dress, you got your tie, whatever it is that you're wearing to dress up the outside and come to church and, you know, we stand up and sit down and sing some songs, hear somebody open the Bible, and that's your religion. I hope that it's more than that, right? Our, our, our faith is real. It's something that is not just a ceremony. It's not just a practice. It's something that is in our hearts and changes us as we draw closer to the Lord. And uh, that, that's really what we're here doing, where we want to be closer to the Lord. And uh, I can't think of a more important subject tonight that deals with your own personal life and how you are interacting with the Spirit of God in your life on a regular basis than your own personal joy. If you're familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things that the Spirit of God does in the heart of every single believer and in your life and in mine, the, very, the second thing that's mentioned is Joy. So if the Spirit of God is working in your life, if you are yielding yourself to what God would have you to do, joy is going to be produced. And unfortunately, this might just be an American thing. This might be something that, you know, all Christians for all ages have struggled with. It might just be a people thing. It's probably a mixture of all of those things. I think all of us know that joy is not something that characterizes Christians today. Biblical Christians are not characterized by joy. And, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, that's a problem. And I'm not standing up here as somebody who has mastered joy, though I hope that if you've known me for a long time, uh, that you have noticed as time has gone on that I am a more joyful person than I was years ago as, you've got, as I've dr- tried to draw closer to the Lord. That's really all any of us can do, but I, I'm not up here as somebody who is the the, uh, the, the benchmark of what it means to be a joyful Christian, though I hope that you think that I'm a joyful person. But joy is something that should characterize each and every one of us. And so let's, uh, we're in Nehemiah chapter two. I just want to uh, kind of introduce this thought with the, uh, uh, just to kind of set an expectation for us and get an idea of how a believer in the Old Testament even operated. So let's stand for the reading of the word of God. I'm just going to read four verses here. Nehemiah is the cupbearer of the king, and uh, in verse, he's just learned that uh, his city is ruined, the temple's destroyed, the walls are knocked down, his people are a laughingstock among all the nations, and he is uh, still having to do his job. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1, it says, and it came to pass in the month Nisan, the 12th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up, up the wine and gave it unto the king. Listen to this phrase right here, it says, now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then was I very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, you can be seated. We know Nehemiah as a great leader and a great organizer in the Old Testament. right? He uh, made a very bold request of King Artaxerxes to allow him to go back and build the wall of Jerusalem and essentially reestablish uh, that area and reestablish the people and bring them back from utter disgrace among the nations. And uh, Nehemiah uh, was the king's cupbearer he was obviously a faithful man, a man that wanted to follow God and was making effort to follow God, and the byproduct of that was that he was characterized as a happy and a joyful man. For the, for the Bible to say, for him to accurately say that he had never been sad in the king's presence, do you understand what kind of track record that is? Do you understand the fact that the king would notice his wine, his cupbearer being sad And not really openly sad. Verse number three. You know, the uh, verse number two. Why is thy countenance sad? Nehemiah wasn't moping around. He wasn't wearing the morning the clothes that you would wear if you're sad. He was just doing his thing, and because of the things that were going on, that was what had made him sad and caused his uh, heart to be sorrowful in the king's eyes. I think it's more characteristic of most of us for people to be surprised if we are happy one day. hey, did you get a promotion? You're pretty happy today, right? We're not characterized by joy, but joy is something that should characterize each and every one of us. And so we're going to be talking tonight about the joy of the Lord. And uh, the first thing I want to point out to you is that joy is essential to the Christian life. Joy is not something that just some people can have. It's not just something that, you know, someone with, that's got everything together in life can have. It's not something that's just reserved for the most faithful of believers. This is something that every single Christian should not just have in their life, but be characterized by. I don't know about you, but I do not uh, ascribe to this idea that uh, the Christian life is just always going to be bad, and that your life is just going to be terrible all the time. Uh, Yeah, all of them that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution But you'll see in the Bible that even in the midst of persecution, even in the joy is something that we can have. Joy is missing in so many believers today. It should be the norm rather than the exception in our life. Tends us to have joy. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, he wanted to finish his course with joy. Right? right? It is not your lot in life to suffer and to let everybody know about it. It is our lot in life to be filled with the Spirit to such a degree where He works in our heart, produces His joy, and that joy, even in the midst of terrible and difficult times, can be manifested to those around us and point others to Jesus just by the way that we carry ourselves. Joy is essential. It's missing in so many believers. It's often mislabeled and misunderstood. Right? Uh, You know, I'll be honest with you it's 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 kind of difficult to differentiate between happiness and joy, but i think uh, i think I think it is relatively simple, right? You can uh, be joyful and happy at the same time, but you can be happy and not have joy also at the same time. Happiness is temporary. it comes from what happens to us. We cannot be happy all the time because good things do not always happen to us right, right? and so. Uh, understand the the predicament that we find ourselves in, what is it that this world wants more than anything to find in life? Happiness. That is what our society is geared towards, that's what uh, all of uh, every single product is geared towards making us happy, right? Our world says pursue happiness in things in uh, whatever it is that you want to pursue that you think will make you happy, some kind of identity, some kind of prominence, some kind of power, some kind of uh, accomplishment, whatever it is, when you achieve that, that will finally make you happy, but happiness is fleeting. Happiness is temporary. Joy is the complete opposite. True joy, the joy of the Lord begins inside us. It affects our hearts. Manifests itself in the spirit of the countenance that we put forth, your attitude, your mood, and eventually your words and decisions are all impacted by the joy that is in your heart. Joy is something that says that you're okay even when things are not okay. Joy is something that rests when uh, rests in the strength of the Lord and the power of the Lord when you don't know what's going to happen. The joy of the Lord is stable; it's steadfast. It's real and not forced. It cannot be gotten by any other means other than through our God. Joy begins inside. Joy does not need something or some kind of accomplishment in order to begin to exist in your heart other than the presence of the Spirit of God in your life. So if you're here today and you do not yet know Christ, you cannot have the joy of the Lord because His Spirit is not yet in you. And so you must be saved in order to begin to have the joy of that you so desire in your life, and a believer here today, you cannot begin to have joy until you yield yourself to the Spirit of God in your life. Joy cannot be faked. Happiness can be faked. Cannot be obtained anywhere other than from our God. By the way, you never get joy by accident. Joy is essential. You're not going to obtain joy by mistake. You're not just going to come to church and eventually, oh, oh, I've got joy now now that I come to church. You have to get it on purpose, right? Every single area when it comes to yielding ourselves and our lives to God is a choice to reject one aspect of what's in our heart in exchange for what God wants in our heart. And so you will not get joy by mistake. No amount of antidepressants will produce joy in your life. You only get joy by the Spirit of God having His way in your heart and in your life. Do you have joy? Awkward pause. Joy is essential. Joy is supernatural. Joy does not come from whatever, whatever awesome thing you fill in the blank with, right? Uh, my son, Ben, he, he, he played soccer this year. He scored his first goal. Uh funnily enough, right, we, I, I, I give him full credit for this goal, but there was nobody in the goal. <laughs> he was wrong alongside his teammate who had the ball, and he took the ball from his own teammate and kicked it in the goal. <laughs> that counts as his goal. So good job on that, Ben, right? Uh, when, when he scored a goal, I, I was pretty happy, right? And then, you know, when he asked his coach to go out like two seconds later because he was tired, you know, I was like, come on, man what's going on here? Right? That, that, that feeling was very, it, it, it was a temporary feeling of happiness, but that's not joy. Right? Uh, I've, I, when I used to uh, work outside the church, you know, I'd have, uh, I had a sales, a commissioned sales job, and I remember my biggest commission check that I ever got, and I was like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. But that didn't last very long. Right. Whatever it is that you feel like is going to make you happy, understand that there is a fundamental problem in what we are pursuing in life because we are pursuing happiness rather than pursuing joy. Joy is supernatural. It only comes with God. Uh, it only comes from God, and it begins with our relationship with God. You cannot have joy without a relationship with God. Isn't it amazing that the God of the universe has revealed himself to mankind and wants to have a relationship with you? That God who knows everything, who's all-powerful, has given us information that will help us to live our life in a way that not only pleases him, but gives us an abundant life. Isn't that an amazing thing, right? That is a source that we can go to to begin to give us joy. Joy is supernatural. It is our, it is our strength. Joy is found in our relationship with God. It's found in close fellowship with God. It is our strength when we are otherwise incapable. Do you have joy today? I think all of us want joy. All of us understand that we need joy. All of us wish that we had more joy. All of us think that we're doing what we can in order to have joy. Why then do we not have it? Why is it missing why, why can we not have it, right? I come to church, I read my Bible, I do this. I, why do I not have joy? Where is it? What, like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm submitting to you, and I think so often we are not specific enough in our pursuit of joy. We're not specific enough in our Christian life and basically every area across the board, but today I want to help you to understand that joy is available to you And it comes first by yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6 very quickly. Sorry, Galatians 5, I don't know why I said 6. Galatians chapter 5. I want to read verse 16, and I'm just going to skip down to verse 22. It says, "This I say and then walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfil the lusts of the flesh." I know pastors talked about this. I've I've done messages on this. You are tonight either walking in the Spirit, or you are fulfilling the lusts of your flesh. It's one or the other. You're you're not doing both, right? And if you're trying to do both, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You are not going to have both. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot walk in the Spirit and fulfill the lust of your flesh. It's impossible. And so with that being said, the fruit of the Spirit, so when you yield to the Spirit of God, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So if you are going to have joy produced in your life, you are going to yield. You have to yield specifically to the spirit of of God in your life. The joy of the Lord does not come from the pursuit of the Lord's will. Uh, It it comes from the pursuit of the Lord's will, not the pursuit of what makes us happy. And I think that's where we have a problem. This happens all the time in Sunday school. My watch thinks I'm trying to talk to it. Yeah, there it is again. Anyway. Pursuing what you think makes you happy is akin to walking according to the lust of your flesh because you're trying to do what makes you happy. In order to have the joy of the Lord, in order for the Spirit of God to produce joy in your life, you must choose to pursue what God wants you to do. That's a very generic concept, I understand, but give me a minute, right? When we're seeking what makes us happy, that is what we are depending upon to give us joy, right? When we choose to pursue what God wants us to do, that allows God to then produce his joy in our heart. You cannot pursue what you want and expect God to produce his joy in your life when you're not pursuing what God said would cause him to produce his joy in your life. And I think so many of us, that, that kind of thought, we hear it and say, that sounds great, and it just goes straight over our head. We don't stop and think enough about what we're doing and whether it actually is what God wants us to do. There's so many things that we do on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, that are contrary to what God wants us to do. We must yield to the Spirit of God. We are given joy as we obey the will of God. In our pursuit of the will of God, we will have times of great happiness, but there also will be times of sadness because what's going on around us is not going to make us happy. And so then we cling to the joy that God is producing in us. And so we yield to the Spirit of God, and part of our yielding to the Spirit of God is to choose to deny your own desires. So it's not just saying, Lord, I yield myself to you. I want you to produce your joy in my life. That's not enough because you have to then choose to walk away from what you are pursuing that is contrary to what God wants you to do in your life. You cannot have both. And so often we want both. We want to do what we want and we want God to do what only God can do in our lives. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I, I, I want to point something out to you. This, and and this, this, this is all, I, I think this is fascinating because it, 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 the Bible is very complicated and there's a lot of things that the Bible says and this is one of them, right? Joy is something that eludes so, us uh, so often, but as we study it, it suddenly becomes clear why we don't have joy in our life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verse 1 says, know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, with na- without natural affection, true speakers, false accusers, incontinent, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, listen to this, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Is that not what our problem is? We want what we want more than we want what God wants. We are lovers of pleasures more than we are lovers of God. What makes you happy is what you want to do more than what God wants you to do. And so because you follow what you want to do, you pursue the pleasure that you want to pursue, even if it's not something sinful. Not every pleasure in life is sinful, right? Uh, I can get a lot of joy out of seeing my kids play sports, uh, about, uh, of you know, uh, doing well uh, in athletics myself, or some kind of accomplishment uh, wherever, right? You can get happiness from those things. Those are pleasures, those are good things. But when you love those more than you love God, he's not gonna be able to produce his joy in your life because you've not prioritized his joy above your own pleasure. <clears throat> Perhaps the missing piece and your absence of joy is that you love the things that bring temporary happiness more than you love God. That's my problem. When, when, when it all comes down to it, when I, when, I, when, I, when I go through grumpy phases, to put it kindly, what it comes down to is I have placed something or some circumstance on a pedestal And I'm upset because that is not how I want it to be rather than, hey, I'm pursuing what God wants me to do. Yeah, that stinks, but you know what? Uh, I'm following God. He's going to produce his joy in my life. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. but I I normally cover that up when I do that. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Here's here's another one. Right along the same thought line. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Could it be, right, yeah, we've prayed over and over again, Lord, I submit myself to you, I yield myself to you, Lord, I want to do your will for my life, I'm trying to prioritize you over other things, but we end up making provision for our own desires in the decisions that we make. We say, well, you know what, I'll follow God but if it's but this area right here, you know, I'm not going to be that hardcore. <clears throat> Provision for the flesh is going to be a preventer of joy in your life. right? Uh, if there's known sin in your heart, don't think God's going to produce His joy in your life. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Perhaps you're missing joy because you've made some provision for some aspect of your sin that you think is not hurting anybody, that's not affecting anybody, but you know what? It's sapping the joy out of your life. It's robbing you of what God wants to do in your heart, and that is something that all of us do on a regular basis. This, right? I'm, I'm included with that. We're missing our joy because we are making provision for our flesh because we're loving, we love pleasure more than we love God. Let's turn over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Maybe we're in some sense trying to pursue the Lord. It's easy for us to become blind to an area of our life where our flesh has been given place. This is a failure on our part to yield ourselves fully to the Lord. And so as we are getting specific in our pursuit of yielding to Christ in this area of joy, not only must we yield generically. We must be specific. Lord, is there anything in my heart that displeases you? Is there anything in my life that does not place you, that, that I've placed above you? First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God for the time uh, past of your life, of our life, many su- uh, suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, seeking evil of you, right? We need to arm ourselves with the same mind of Christ, right? What happens is we start to pursue what God wants us to do. We start to yield ourselves, we, we, we do all we can to not make provision for the flesh. we place God where He should be placed, and then what happens is we get around other people, and people start looking down on us because why are you not why, why are you not like everybody else? Why are you not doing what you used to do? Why are you this way? And we start to second guess the decision that we 've made, and so we end up going back. We go right back into walking and lasciviousness, which is just Following, uh, following whatever unbridled lust it is that we're pursuing at that time. Keeping ourselves from sin, purposely being conscious of whether we're pursuing closeness to the Lord or the will of the Gentiles, as that passage said. Right? Whatever this world wants us to do, right, it's easy for us to just, in a, in a fleeting moment, without really thinking, change our mindset on what we're going to do or how we're going to think, and that will rob us of the joy that God wants us to have. Yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Deny your desires. Once we begin to yield ourselves to the Lord, He will begin to produce His joy, that joy that can then be resisted if we fail to change our mindset in the midst of trials. Right? So understand, you can get 80% of the way through this process, and then as God begins to try to produce His joy, you're going to find that the joy of the lord is different from this world's happiness. It's not the same. And we we almost expect it to be the same. We we expect to have the same level of happiness in like our in the entirety of our lives that someone else who's not pursuing God gets as they pursue things and whatever it is. The happiness Uh, of this world doing what this world does is different than the joy of the Lord. And so as we yield ourselves to God, he's going to begin to produce his joy, and we then have to contend with our mind fighting against the new mindset that God is trying to place in us. We resist the changes that God is trying to do, even though we want what God is trying to do, right? Right? I, I hope that makes sense. It makes sense to me, right? I, I think that uh, often God is trying to produce joy and we don't yet recognize it as joy because we've not given him enough time. But there is an attitude shift that has to come, especially in the midst of trials, in order for God to be able to fully produce his joy in our life. Right? It's easy to have joy when you also are happy. Right? and when circumstances have changed and you no longer have happiness, sad countenance at times when things were really, really bad, but you know what? He ended up bouncing back. He ended up doing right through all of that, right? And so we have to understand that there is a shift that's going to take place in our attitude during trials and low times. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 got just a couple minutes left. I don't want to keep you too late tonight. It's very interesting you consider some of, these, some of these kind of more we've heard a long time if you've been in church for a while. This is talking about Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was set before Jesus by any standard does not equate to joy by any of our standards, right? He endured, uh, like the, the cross, dying for our sins, becoming sin himself, taking on all of our sin who knew no sin, being uh, rejected of the Father, right? God turning his back on him, right? That, there's nothing good in any of that. Do you know why the Bible says that uh, the joy that was set before him is because he knew what was going to happen after that. Right? And so often that attitude shift that we need to, that, to take place in our hearts is a long-term look at what's going on in addition to trusting God with that circumstance. Things are not always going to be as bad as they might be right now. God is in control. I'm going to trust him in that. And if you have come to that conclusion, you can then continue to allow God to produce his joy in your life. But if you then get upset with God, you're going to not allow him to produce his joy because you're in uh, contention with him essentially at that point. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. So this is really towards the end of the story. Uh, It says, in that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. Their wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Right? Uh, we don't have time to study the whole story of Nehemiah. I think uh, maybe last year, last summer, I think, or, or last, last school year, I think, is when you did this, the series on Nehemiah. Go back and listen to those. I'm sure he did a better job on this than I did. But they gave sacrifices. Uh, sacrifices is something that's painful, by the way. Uh, it wouldn't be a sacrifice, it didn't cost you something. And so uh, giving up something is something our world looks at as, why do that? Why sacrifice? But the sacrifices that they made produced joy because God had told them to make the sacrifices. And the, the, the wording in Nehemiah chapter 12 is this, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. What that is, that is, that is another uh, indicator that God produced joy in the life of somebody else who really wasn't going through that good of a time anyway, right? They, had, they were a conquered people, right? They were still under the rule of the Persians, right? They, uh, their, their city had just been rebuilt. There was still a lot of work to do. The temple was not what it used to be, but God, seeing their sacrifice and their hearts turned towards him and their desire to do right, made them... Joyful. That joy spread to other people, by the way. The wives and the children also rejoiced. And so if we're going to have joy, we must yield ourselves to the Lord. We must deny our own desires. We must uh, allow an attitude shift in our trials. And that attitude shift is from a focus on our circumstances to an attitude of thankfulness. You cannot have joy if you are ungrateful for what God has done in your life. If all you do is focus on what you don't have and what you wish you had, what you used to have, who you used to be, what you used to be able to do, understand you are right from the start preventing joy in your life. You cannot have the joy of the Lord with the wrong attitude. He wants to produce joy in your life, right? It's available. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, you go in a buffet line and get to pick which ones you want. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so if you don't have joy, you are missing something God wants you to have. And even if this message was not helpful at all in any way other than just identifying that you don't have what you should have in your Christian life, you should definitely take time, come down to the altar and pray and ask God to show you what you're missing so that you can have his joy in your life. But I think all of us, we put other things ahead of God. We put ourselves ahead of God. We have an overemphasis on our circumstances that keep us from having joy. We're not yielded to him. We're focused on what we want and what we don't have. We have the wrong attitude. There's so many things that we are doing wrong that are preventing his joy from our life. Do you have the joy of the Lord in your life? Cannot have it. Like I said, if you do not yet know Christ, if you are not sure that you are even going to be in heaven someday, how can you have any peace or joy whatsoever? You could leave here today and uh, on the wet p- pavement, you know, slide off the road and enter eternity and spend eternity in hell. How could you have joy not knowing where you're going to go? Today you could fix that. You can get that settled today. Uh, God loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be, uh, to be saved. Choose Christ today. Christian, do you have joy? Very simple. Do others say, hey, you know, that guy or that, that lady, they are joyful people. I know what's going on in their life. Nobody else would be happy in what's going on, but they are. Maybe everything is going good and you still don't have joy. That's wrong. That's not how a Christian's supposed to live. God wants us to have joy. This is not just a show. This is not just uh, some facade we put up so that people think we're religious. Right. And if you don't have joy, you're missing a major part of what God wants you to have. Got a lot more, but we'll cover that another time. Let's go ahead and turn it over.